New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. All right, here we go. <laughs> Please subscribe to the channel. Please. Hey guys, YouTube's got an algorithm and it really, really help us out a lot if you could like, comment, and subscribe. This is how we can get more information out to more people and uh, share the message of Toronto real estate. In Thanks. that order, like, comment, subscribe, and hit the damn bell. Boom. Make it work. We can make everything work. Nothing doesn't work. I, everything recording already, already. works. We so sneaky. Should I stop recording? Sneaky, 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 my friend. I can because I got to pee anyways. Yeah, that's okay. You can yeah, go pee. There he is. Thank you. <laughs> How's it Welcome going? I have Amen. permission. I feel like I'm in public school again when I used to have a... Puis j'allais aux toilettes, s'il vous plaît? Yeah. That was it. That's one of the only things I actually remember from French immersion. You were going to the bathroom every 15 minutes, probably. It was it was it was a necessity to know that sentence properly. <laughs> hey Mark, welcome Good to the you. show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah, it's exciting so, so to Mark, be. this is a milestone for us actually, because um, you know, we've got a new booking manager. He's great, by the way. And um We've been basically, you know, dealing with people like in the industry that we know from other places. We've had, you know, friends that, uh, you know, business colleagues, that kind of stuff. But you are the first listener that we are bringing on the show as a guest. So yes, I've wanted to wow. crack the code. a long time. I was That's... hoping, I was hoping you would be a little bit uh, weirder looking. Weirder looking. I'm a little yeah. too normal for you. No, you're he's, too, good. he's a good looking guy. You're too guy. good looking. Yeah, I was he's, hoping we get some weirdo fan that would be super exciting. No, no your your fan base, they're they're tens, all tens. All tens. All tens. Nice. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, it's I, good to see you guys growing. You know, I'm sure it's going to be the first of many. I hope so. Yeah, and that's something that we uh, we haven't really talked about too much, but definitely, yeah. If anybody else is interested in coming on the show and they think they got some great real estate knowledge and information, or just want to be on the show and want to fake it till they make it, we're happy to have you. There's no, yeah. nothing wrong with that. It'd be good to have somebody who knew what they were talking about on the show at some point. Maybe we maybe we've hit the lottery today with Mark. So well, and and this is this is Mark. So this is in a nutshell here. Okay, so Mark is an agent. He's got his license uh, within the last year, I think it is, Mark. Yeah. Right? He he's got um, family in the business, right? Your mom, right? And yes. Your dad's got some real estate related stuff too. And uh, so you've had this lifelong upbringing, and here you are at 22 years old, diving into the real wow. estate industry. Love it. Amazing. Love We're proud of you. That's that's I what we want to hear. That's, that's smart. You know, forget about all those other businesses out there get right into real estate young and and make it big stop wasting yeah. your time like for decades like some of us <laughs> spinning wheels exactly so you went to you went to um school i checked out your instagram so you went to school right yes so you're at western western i saw no so i did two years at western i okay. studied kinesiology yep and right at the two-year mark of the four-year program you know, I thought, what am, what am I doing? I'm not the, the body, the health guy. You know, I don't want to get into massage therapy, chiropractic. I like homes, right? Yeah. So uh, at that point, I made a little switcheroo. I went to York. I took on a very similar program, but it was more oriented towards writing and reading and just being sharp, I guess. So yeah. I, I used that as a milestone to just kind of develop some skills, but I always knew I was going to be getting into real estate at some point because I, I was working on my license, doing the courses. It took about two years. When, when, when so did they, you know? You said you've always known. Like, tell me what that what that means. <clears throat> you always, yeah, well, I, you always I've knew. always had some some sort of affinity towards it. 
you know, I kind of like, it's a, it's an entrepreneurial, you could get entrepreneurial with it. Not everyone does, but you can. And it's, it's different from starting a different kind of business, like selling a product. I've always loved the shows like Shark Tank. I've wanted to invent something. And this is, this is the closest thing you could do to that, but your product is top notch. It's a home. It's the greatest asset someone's going to be buying or selling. So you could have a lot of fun with that, I think. And so, so far you, I have, it's been would, a great would time. You say, would you say like in high school, you were thinking about being a realtor or would definitely you say probably not. after high school? No, definitely deeper into university. Okay, good. So that's, um, that's, uh, that's similar to my journey too, right? Where, you know, a young person thinking about going into real estate, like it's almost like the school system right now doesn't promote that. Like how many well, teachers are sitting not. there at the front of the classroom saying like, you right there, sir, are going to be a good real estate agent when you're older, right? Well, I mean, we do need more realtors. I mean, there's not <laughs> enough of you guys out there, right? I mean, what do we yeah, have? Yeah, that's the problem. How many listings are there? 11,000 listings? I just read something yesterday that said uh, Ontario has 62,000 real estate agents. That's yeah. a horrible ratio. And nobody wants to work with buyers. So like there's like tons of buyers, no listings and a billion agents and nobody wants to work with the buyer market. Smart. It's the, right? it's the perfect storm. So hold on. Okay. So you're 22. Did you have to take the uh, Humber course to get your license no. or? So the reason I, that? the reason I did the course in the first place is my parents, they notified me that it was changing from Maria to Humber. So they said, just get in now. Yeah, and yeah. if you want to use well, it, we use can it. cheat for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was interesting <laughs> yeah. though. It went from in-person exams to, to online throughout the, at, around the one year mark. So how hard was it? How oh, hard during was the it? pandemic? How hard was it? People are saying they made it a little tougher, but it was, it was kind of a breeze. What's on, what do you learn on there? Do you learn how to like calculate a mortgage? You know, that would, that would be the mortgage exam, I guess. No, you don't but, even uh, to calculate a mortgage. Okay. What do you learn? Yeah, you learn, you know, the comparative market analysis, a bunch of stuff you're, you're going to use, but there's also a bunch of stuff you're not going to use. Right. Tell us, tell us, what did you learn that you think you will use like top of the list? The top of the list, um, you know, calculating the, the net operating income for investors. That's what they look at. Investors love numbers. First time buyers, it's more of a, you got to work on the connection with them. So it's, it's very different for everyone, right? Nice. That's the commercial course. The commercial course. Beauty. So, so do we want to be in commercial or do we like residential? 22 years old, there's, there's so much I could do, right? I met a guy, he started at 21 and now he, he switched at the 30 year mark and he only does commercial. So it's, you know, keep it in the back pocket. Smart. Let's start with residential. What do they tell you, right? So what is the, what is the you know, what is the um, fresh out of school advice that you're getting from your mom, from the industry, from the brokerage level? Like, what's everyone telling you? The fresh out of school advice. Well, okay, advice to new realtors. There's three things I'm doing right now. My schedule consists of three things. And I try to do it every single day. So number one, prospecting. Prospecting, yeah. So you get on the phones and you just you just go for it. So I, I love the long dialing sessions. I don't mind it anymore. At first, it was a little annoying. You know, I felt like I was bothering people. But you now I feel, I feel I am a little bit. And, you know, those are always fun <laughs> conversations too, right? I, I learned that if you want to do it consistently, you got to have fun with it. So yep. what happens? So let's go 100%. through, let's go through a scenario. So you just call up some random guy on the street. How do you yeah, get his number? So, <laughs> I'm like an FBI agent. I have everyone's number. Okay. okay. No, so, so you have their I number. Like, I like to do it this way. When my team, I join uh, like the best team in Vaughn, number one team in Vaughn, we'll call it. And they do a lot of business. So around where they have listings or just solds, I'm calling those homes, right? It's not, just random yeah, most of the time. Where'd you learn that trick? It's pretty Mike Ferry. He's a like old Ferry. school real estate coach. Mm -hmm. We just finished a, a four day training event with him. That was lots of fun. 
like your brokerage pays for that? Yeah, the team leader, he's, um, he wants to get everyone really into it, right? So, so this I'm guy's hearing, big I'm on following that the prospecting schedule. Prospecting and coaching. Prospecting, coaching, of course, that's a part of it. You know, the, the strongest leaders, they learn every day. So that's kind of the, the mindset I'm taking. But other than prospecting, you know, I'm, I'm practicing my scripts, what to say to people. And then I'm just previewing properties, getting in homes, looking around with buyers. I love my favorite part so far. It's been working with inspectors because they see all these little details in their home. They point it out. They're total pros. I love it. Yeah. And so going it's to, just going to inspections me. in the beginning is really important. Yeah. It's Where, also really yeah. scary. <laughs> Can you get an inspection these days? Can Are we getting uh, <laughs> due diligence time? Well, not really. <laughs> What I've been seeing a lot is the pre-home inspection. And then even people, if they go firm, they like to do it after, you know, just for, for to, to have a safe mind, you know, you know, you're not going to have any problems with the home, get an inspection, even though you already went firm. TK, do we see Makes lots sense. of people do like our sellers where they have an inspection already done? Yeah, that's also pretty common, right? There's a lot of yeah. that out there too. So what you're, so you've actually gone to the pre listing home inspections and just watch the home inspector do that on some of the listings that you guys have. Yeah. And I tell them, I go point out every little thing I want to learn. Yeah. Smart. I'm not here to just open the door. Yep. Yep. Then you can point out those things when you see them or, you know, recognize a good property for your buyers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, that's uh, so TK. That's what was your, what was your biggest struggle when you first started? Yeah, TK. Good question. What's your advice? I like it. I like it. Guest <laughs> yeah. becomes I wanna, I wanna... host. Go. Yeah. I mean, I, I did the same thing, right? Like I signed up for the course at 19. I was licensed at 21. And, um, you know, in the beginning, it's just like, and it was 2008. So we're in the middle of a recession. <laughs> so, Perfect. you know, finding clients. I mean, that's the, that's the struggle, right? And when you're 25 or less, not a lot of your friends are that successful yet, right? So you don't have this huge pool of people. You've spent 20 plus years of your life building up this amazing network of friends through all sorts of sports and different things. And you're like, all right, guys, I'm in business, you know, support me. <clears throat> and they're all like, you know, I'm living living at home still sell my house. Are you crazy? <laughs> or yeah, they definitely don't have a place to sell. Like they're only going to be buying and um, you know, it becomes a challenge, right? Trying to or find you have those... no experience. Who the hell yep. wants you selling their house? Trying to find those people. So um, I was really fortunate. And, and I know, you know, this is the case for me is because my dad was in the business. I sold a house the very first week I was in real estate. I made exactly wow. zero dollars. Yeah. I was doing the open house for him. And he goes, uh, he goes, do the open house and, and see what happens. And then an agent came in during the open house and said, you know, like, stop the show. I'm bringing an offer right now. And the Ooh. sellers came home at four. And we negotiated the deal with my dad calling every five minutes on the house line. <laughs> I got paid zero dollars, but I got a lot of experience, right? So I was is like, this is great. This real recession. estate stuff is awesome. Yeah. That was in the recession? Yeah. We, and we had just dropped. So we had, we had listed it. It was at, listed at 325. And then they dropped the price to 300. And it, we had just dropped the price. I think it was like the, the, that week, the Thursday, Friday or whatever. So now this agent's coming in and he's like, we want to pay 299500 <laughs> $500. He wanted off the price and the sellers were like, I ain't having it. Oh, they would not do it. So really? we went back and forth and back and forth. And the seller said no. Oh, and the agent nice. is screaming and yelling. This is my first deal. The guy is screaming and yelling at the table that it's $500. I can't believe it. My Why dad's calling every five. You guys put in the 500 bucks. So my dad's calling every five minutes. And then all of a sudden he goes, son, tell him that we'll take $500 off our commission and get yeah, this deal done. done. And I was like, Okay. All right. All right. Oh. There you go. First week of real estate. Oh, that's an option. <laughs> yeah. So right. yeah, you learn, right? You figure out all these different things and, and nuances and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, prospecting, man, I did it all. The calls, the books, the notes, the, I did Mike Ferry. I, I had all the, uh, you know, different prospecting from door knocking. And I don't think you can do door knocking right now, but maybe you can. You can. I don't, know, I don't think it'd be well received. Well, did you hear that open houses just opened back up? Open houses are back. So I imagine that means door knocking would be back too, right? So yeah, I've been seeing the gloves are today. off, guys. The city yeah. is open. Nothing happened. You sure? It's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Have you been out? Yeah, let's yeah, go out there. I was at a birthday party yesterday. Yeah. yeah. 
Right, we, so there was great. a wedding across the street pumping music in the backyard all night. It was great. Very well, I was just camp. on St. Clair last weekend after Italy won. A couple thousand people there. Yeah, I saw I heard some something pictures. about that. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah. pretty wild stuff. All the Italians came out. It's Every good. Italian. So, but so, so, so let's get into some, some current real estate news here while we're talking about that. Like, okay, so the city's opened up. Uh, people are vaccinated. More people are vaccinated in Canada than the states. The states is looking like wave number four is on its way. And we are opening up again. We have COVID cases coming in from the airport once again. I'm mm -hmm. proud to say. Talking about the borders opening up, the land border opening up again. Borders are opening. Cases are maybe going to climb again with the Delta variant. If we were monetized, we would be demonetized, but we're not monetized. But so this is matter. serious stuff going on. Anyway, so the city's all open. And are people buying real estate? Some are saying yes, and some are saying no. The market is cooling and on fire once again, folks. <laughs> what do you, yeah, what are you guys seeing, Mark? Like your activity on the team and your own personal business? Is anything... The biggest change I've seen in the past month has been the rental market. Rental it's just market. been insane before like at least two months ago you submit an offer you and you have a pretty decent tenant you, you go in at asking price even under you'll get them in now you're seeing five six offers on a rental bidding wars <laughs> those prices yeah. are gonna go back up to where what what areas downtown quickly. i've been seeing a lot in vaughn these the full wow. homes uh, these are detached homes, like like for full size homes. homes, even with people in the basement and separate tenants in the basement. Wow. Well, we it's... remember we looked at a few rentals and it was like there's two to choose from. Two of them suck and two mm -hmm. of them are overpriced. Mm -hmm. And now what? You take your pick and you go in over asking. Not... So one of one of the one of the biggest things, one of the best decisions that I did was did a lot of rentals the first couple of years, too. Because I remember I got some university students and it was just this big network of people from Western and from uh, Laurier. And it, they were all just like, I want, like, I just got a job. I'm making 60 K and now I want to rent a apartment with, you know, one or two of my friends for 1800 to $2,700. And I would just go out with them all the time and just be downtown. So I'd learn how to negotiate, learn how to do the offers, learn the condo buildings in and outs, all that kind of stuff. Cause they're easy, easier clients to pick up. Right. Than buyers. Yeah. And it was, again, it was a recession and <laughs> things were just getting back on track. So that was, that was really helpful too. So then when the sales were happening, um, you know, you're just like a well-oiled machine, right? Sure. Not just like, this is the first time I'm doing this. I don't really know. Let me get back to you. Right. So that was yeah. a big, a big help too. You kind of, I guess, would have to do rentals. Most people have to at the start because it's slim pickings and those are kind of available or other agents that are too busy will kind of throw those crappy things your way. Right. <clears throat> that too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's also a young thing it's too. Good right? experience so though. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It's young twenties, your demographic is renting and that's what you got to go with. This is the good news. And then my dad always said this too, because as I got older, closer to my late twenties and thirties, all my friends were buying. Yeah. Everybody was yeah. buying. And my dad was sitting there going, all my friends are in a home that I sold them 20 years ago. They don't want to move. They're going to die there. Yeah. Right. So his, as his business was here, my business, we started to go like this because everybody that I knew this network that I'd built up my whole life, basically was all the now all like they needed real estate. They had, they had to get something right. So, you know, you, you put the work in and uh, things, things work out. Eventually Especially they need a cottage or their kid needs a place or something, right? Yeah, that, that's you. But I find the older generations, you know, they're, you know, they're pretty much going to be buying one or two properties after 30 and staying put. Okay. You think that? In I don't that know, generation. I missed, your, I missed your last podcast on the Bitcoin, but you don't think people are going to be shifting around quicker now? Well, these are, this is a new generation. Our generation is moving more than our parents generation for sure the baby boomers the baby boomers stayed put in fact that's a huge issue we have is that those damn baby boomers mm -hmm. don't want to sell those houses that they've got and they've got all the best real estate right so that's 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 the issue but um no the millennials and whatever other generations we all get labeled with they're the ones moving every five to ten years and that'll happen that'll that'll keep happening because they It'll look at it as an asset right a while for sure well or they're not even going to own sure 
a lot, a lot of them will be transient and rental in, in rentals, right? And you can bounce yeah. around. There, there yeah. was an article here: thirty percent of Toronto non-homeowners have accepted that they'll be renting for life. Yeah, that's it's not an easy know. transition. <clears throat> so thirty percent of the people who are non-homeowners who are currently non-homeowners. So yeah. they're just saying like, you know, I guess they're throwing in the, the, the towel and saying, I'm never going to own in this environment because yeah. I like my job and this is how much I'm going to make. And I'm never going to make enough to put away enough money to, to buy one of these things, but I can rent and I'm cool with it. Cause I like the neighborhood. Yeah. There's, there's also a lot of people who are young right now who just get discouraged Right. So they get discouraged. They think, oh, I'm never going to be able to own. It's never going to work out. For I don't me. remember My job thinking never... that. I don't remember ever, ever, ever. Prices thinking... were 200,000, Daryl, back in 1920 <laughs> when you were that age. I get it. But in 1920, when I was that age, you could buy a loaf of bread for a penny. <laughs> Like my friends, my 22 year old friends, by the time they're ready to buy, let's say around 30, 35, what's a home going to be costing? Yeah. Well, well, let's ask you because Daryl and I are making stuff up right now. We both know. We are. So, Mark, what yeah. are people in their young twenties saying right now? What are what are they? My daughter's their 18, hope for the man. future. Their hope for the future. At least what I'm advising them on, like they could do whatever they want, but I'm telling them get into a pre-construction. Like that is probably the best way you could start because you don't have to worry about a mortgage for at least another four or five years. You make your little payments up to the 20% mark. And then, you know, if you want to sell it later, you can sell it for a profit. You want to hold it. You can live in there. You know, it's, so this it's is tough. with the assumption that everything keeps going up model. Well, I think that's where things are headed. That they're just so, continuously always forever going up. Um, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just clarifying. Well, I, I feel like that's the trend that we're headed on right now. And the reason, and the reason, Mark, that you've got that is you've, you're basically saying to your friends, "Look, you don't need to pay two thousand dollars a month right now to buy that condo, right? Because if they go and buy five percent down now and they live by themselves, they're not getting any rental income, and that they're just going to be that, that every month they have to pay those payments, but they can't really afford those payments today. So instead, put down the five percent on a pre-construction." make additional deposits along the way and delay the day that you have to actually consistently make, you know, those $2,000, $3,000 a month payments, whatever it is. Right. So it's good advice, yeah. right? I mean, depending on their situation, it's good advice to say you're getting into something because having 5% is great, but unless you're going to go and do like a house hacking and get into something where you'll be getting rental income or do what a lot of my friends did, and I'll just be very honest, is we would say we're moving into them, put down 5% and then just turn it into a rental anyways too, right? Like that was what a lot of guys did, right? Then they would be like two years later, they'd say, yeah, I'm going to go buy another house for myself again. And then boom, buy, a, buy another rental. And I, I was getting guys no money down mortgages. So they were saying, right, once I had that, we had that back in 2010, 11, whatever it was. And I was saying, get, uh, get another house you're going to be living in it, even though they're still living at home with their parents. You, you got a good job. You got good credit. The bank would give them a mortgage, uh, no money down. Okay. All they had to do was pay their co closing costs and they would pay a 1% uh, premium and they would pay a higher mortgage insurance premium. So I think it was a 5% mortgage premium instead of like 3% mortgage insurance, right? And then on your interest rate, instead of like three and a half, it was four and a half, or instead of four, it was five, whatever it was. So you paid a little bit more, but you got into a house, no money down. So those are, those are fun. That was like 2007, six, seven, eight. No, it was like 10. It, was like, it couldn't have been that. After early. everything fell apart? Yeah, we still, there were still those mortgages going on. For sure. Really? 100%, 100%. Wow. It didn't last long, but it was, I had a couple of years where I was able to do those. A couple of years after that, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Little, you got to get creative, Mark. You got to find ways for your friends to, and yep. I think pre-construction is a good option. I think there's other options too, but pre-construction is a good option. Sell your friends, sell the young uh, generations on what it is that they can do with their money so that they can get into real estate and at least get a piece of the action. I keep yeah. telling my daughter she needs to save her money, buy something that's got like three, four, five units, live in one of them, create a cash flow and rinse and repeat. 
Yes. And I don't know if she's going to listen. Where? What seat? Anywhere she can afford it. Like when it's time, when, when it's time for her to buy, she's 18. So yeah. whenever in the next few years, whatever she saves should go towards something that will bring in money. I, 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 did you ever, Mark, did you ever read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah. What do you think about that? I think the secret's out. Real estate's the way to go. Like everybody agrees. They, they know now. You don't want to be playing around in the stock market. You don't want to be playing around in the crypto market. You want to put your money in something safe, real estate. Especially the pandemic definitely showed that. People like a nice asset. You can see it, feel it, touch it, smell it. It's not going anywhere. The value is most likely going to go up, or at least it's going to hold. So, so Long term, can't lose. So, but in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the main point was that an asset is something that feeds you and a liability is something that bleeds you. Yeah, so you're not and advising you, your daughter to go right into a lease, get a, get a nice I, little rental car. A lease? Uh, no, lease not if she, can af- if she can afford to buy a car, then she should do that. The problem is, is nobody wants, nobody can afford the car they want to buy. Right. Or yeah. want to drive. Right. So, yeah, lease in a car is probably in her cards at some point. But if, if she's smart with real estate, she won't buy a house to live in. She'll buy something that makes her money that affords her the ability to buy a house to live in. I was never yeah. smart enough to do that. But if you start early enough, it's actually fairly easy to do. Yeah. It's all, it's all about the, your expenses, right? Like, the problem that most people have is that they've built up this lifestyle and they're like, if I all of a sudden change into this lifestyle, I'm not going to have all these luxuries that I'm used to. And so when you're 18, 20, 25, even it's super easy to be able to just start off on the right foot. Well, unless you, you know, you're paying for a Bentley or something already month to month (laughs) or, you know, chances are you aren't paying for eight grand a month, balling it down at the Shangri-La, you know, and buying bottle service. But yeah. if you save your money, you can buy something in Hamilton or Welland or wherever yeah. the hell, right? Well, let, let's let's talk Niagara about then region. what what people those age would be um, uh, hunkered down with with debt, student loans. Student loans, the stupidest thing yeah. ever, right? Let's talk about that. Like Mark, what are, out of your friends? Okay, you don't have to tell us anything personal, but out of your friends, you know how many of them have student debt? You know, it, uh, I have a lot of friends who their parents definitely help them out with that. Okay. For sure. But you know about people your age with student debt for sure? Yeah, they, they got the debt. It's, it's holding them back. But I have you can't a go wrong investing in your education. What, what about after school, though? Like they get postgrads, they do masters, all that kind of stuff. These are some parents say, look, I'll cover you for the first four years. After that, you're on your own. Yeah, you know, people love their degrees. They love their titles. It makes them feel a little bit more significant. And I agree, like, why not go for it? Where are the people you, getting jobs with these degrees nowadays? Like, where, what does a BA are. get you? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they are. It's you just a you, big waste of time right now. You like, get a job at Starbucks. If it doesn't close and turn into a, a legal weed shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even yeah. kidding. Did you hear about that one? Everybody's up in yeah, arms because yeah, yeah. the Starbucks turned into a weed shop. Yeah, not everybody. Everything's a weed shop right now. Not we everybody. just got an offer for a lease from a weed shop. Like they're yeah. everywhere. There's one near me too that uh, they, they already closed down and then rebranded and came out as a new name. Sure. Like it was like six months. It was like your neighborhood pot shop or whatever it was. And now it's called like weeds or something like that. <laughs> And it, and it was just like, I was like, that just place just opened. Like, how did that, how is that possible? It's next to my shawarma place. And then uh, it was already rebranded as a new place. So I wonder what happened. Unbelievable. But it's a hot market. If you're leasing like commercial re- re- retail space, yeah. holy boom, you're going to have a weed shop in two seconds. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's insane. So yeah. what else can we talk about? So I love the, the young perspective. Like I love, cause I, I watch you know, TikTok and what some of these younger agents are, are, are showing on there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, what is going on out there? This is going to be interesting. It's a very different perspective on everything from, from, from the younger generation right now. So what do people think about buying versus renting in your age group? 
Am I, well, I'm not really dealing with too many people my age right now. I, I see my friends, you know, we're out. They're like, Mark, you know, sell me a condo in 10 years <laughs> like when I can afford it. So nobody's ranting even? Like nobody's doing anything? Nobody's they thinking are definitely around the schools, things like Anybody that. Anybody getting most, engaged most or married? Uh, I think people are holding off a little now, but... Yeah, most people, they're, they're staying with their parents, saving their coin, you know, just preparing themselves for when they're ready. Yeah, I mean, it must be tough. You grow up in a house where there's food everywhere. There's a pool in the mm-hmm. backyard. Mom's been cleaning and doing your bed forever. Like, all of us grew up like that. And now, on top of leaving all of that, you need, like, 400 grand to buy <laughs> something even close to what you're used to living Something in. decent. Like not even decent, Wait, like slaving away decent. 40 hours a week to pay for it. No. How do people save up? How long does it take after tax to make 400 grand for a normal person? Yeah. 400 grand gets you an average house, 300 grand, 350 gets you an average crappy house that needs work for sure. Yeah. From what I, from what I see is the average age. There's always people who come in like under 25, like that's just, you know, and they'll, and they'll tell you about that for the rest of their life. They'll say when they're 60, they'll be like, I bought when I was 21. Okay, great. Good for you. But it's not, it's an anomaly. The average age is probably between 28 and 30. That's to what buy I see. A house? Really? To buy a house. Now, now, now. Now. That's a, yeah. that's a, com- that's a common thing, especially if they're single income. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. that's, that's a, that's a normal thing. And then they have parental support. If my kids said to me, they wanted to buy a property at 22 and they wanted my help it would be my property and it would be, <laughs> I would be under, it would be under my control yeah. because I wouldn't trust the decision, right. Of my kid knowing that they just were, you know, begging me to, you know, borrow my car or whatever it was. And now they all of a sudden want to borrow $400,000 to buy a condo. I'd be like, mm, because it's oh, near yeah. their friends or it's near the pot shop that they go to every Saturday. <laughs> right. Like that's not, that's not going to happen on my watch. So I think that the reality is when, when I see people helping kids and we talk about this all the time, parental support, bank of mom and dad, necessary. They're usually older kids. Usually usually older. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. Well, actually that can't be true. People getting married, get nice gifts in, in many uh, walks of life these days, nice fat gifts that include like probably a decent amount of the deposit on a, on a first place. But hold on a sec. How how normal is a one income family for younger people these days? Is that normal? Well, it's hard to find a partner. What's young? Find a partner. What's young? I don't know. Younger than you for sure. Well, the youngest person that I've done business with, the youngest person I've done business with so far in my, I've done real estate about five months now. It's been a twenty nine year old. 29 is the youngest what did what did he she they them it was a it was a he really cool guy he's starting a a tech startup for higher education really cool guy so So these millennials they're with it he's gonna be like what's he looking at what are you showing him or what did he buy i was looking at st Clair and avenue road he's looking to to rent a condo there Oh, rent. Okay. Yeah. Rent in there. That's still expensive. That's like what? 3,500 bucks a month at least. You know, we are looking at a one bed, one bath condo. We're looking at 1700. What? Where? Fox bar, 99 Fox bar, really nice building. It's brand new. They just put it up. How many, hold on. How much per month? 1700. For one bedroom, 650 square feet, 480 square feet. Yeah, around there. Oh, <laughs> you got your one bed, nowhere to really do work. You can't open up the, the oven without moving the sofa over three inches. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, okay, but that's affordable. That's good. Look at this. Toronto is growing. We have affordable rentals. $1,700. And you can, what, what can you do at the same time? You can sleep. Do the dishes in your bed. Do the dishes at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not where I was heading, but that was good. Thank you. I did a little research before this uh, show, eh? All right. I did did some due diligence. The average age of a realtor is 57. 
Whoa, out of 62,000 people, average age where? In the planet? The median, median. The, on the planet or in Ontario or where? You know, my probably, research wasn't, it wasn't that extensive. Wasn't that it, it, it's probably <laughs> NAR because NAR is the one who's really good at these stats. So it's probably the National Association of Realtors, which is in the States. In the they've States. got, they've got a, like, they got a lot more data than they, than but they probably the have. But that's okay. a, that's a, that's an accurate stat. That's 57. Accurate. So in Ontario out of 62,000, how many of them are average age? What is it? How many? 57 median. And how many of them are at the median median age? There's probably probably a good amount of them. But the majority is. That's that's what we're saying. For sure. But what I'm getting what I'm getting at here is I think you know, through social media we're seeing a lot of younger realtors now. They're they're definitely popping up, and people like to root for them. Yeah, but do they I, like I think younger realtors are better. <laughs> do people buy from them, or do they watch their videos? Honestly. I think it's it's a lot about the experience nowadays. Anyone could it could help you through a transaction, but if you want a more meaningful, more fun experience, I think the youth, TK, you in, you're included in the youth, by the way. Thank you. They bring that energy and enthusiasm. Like a 60 year old is not going to bring the same amount of energy and enthusiasm. They're not going to make it fun. You know, nowadays you have your broker of record. You have a whole team behind you, so you know there's not going to be too many problems. I'm feeling it's pretty... fairly excluded at the moment, I must say. I, I agree. No, there's a there's a young professionals network in Aria, and they're you know the medium median age there is like fifty, so you're okay, Daryl. <laughs> what do but, you think um, of young realtors with tattoos? I think that's the, the new trend. We're seeing a lot of arm sleeves. The guy in the Would... Hamptons that I follow on Instagram, I can't remember his name, but this guy is he. I, I think it's Nest Seekers. I can't remember, but uh, he kills it. Like you're talking like you know, eight digit transactions and stuff like that. And he just looks like he's a surfer yeah. and he just I looks like him. everything opposite of what a realtor is supposed to look like, like on TV. And Listen, he kills it. If you're going to be a good realtor, you only need like a very insignificant slice of the pie to be successful, right? You don't need everybody. So if you cater to the tattoo liking people, then like, yeah. you know, they're going to buy shit if you're good. If you have a tattoo and you have sleeves and you're an asshole and you, you don't know what you're talking about, you have right? To deal with assholes, which is not fun. It's stressful. Yeah. And you'll probably sell a lot of real estate too because they buy too. <laughs> It'd be stressful, right? but you'll do it. Yeah. It's a different experience, right? Yeah. So, so hold on. So you said that, you know, if you want to have a more fun experience, you're going to go with yeah. So like hundred percent, how can you turn, uh, uh, an experience like buying a house, the most important decision anybody will ever make. And generally they're not making this decision alone. So there's lots of stuff flying around the room. How do you make that situation more fun than say somebody TK's age? Mm. Well, let's not pick on TK here, but there's more to it than opening the door. Here's the bathroom. Here's the kitchen. They could see all that, right? Yeah. You, they want someone who's going to go in there and, you know, educate them on the process, but at the same time, make it fun, crack a couple jokes, get to know them on a more personal, deeper level. It doesn't have to be so transactional. No. So, and the other part to that too, and that's definitely, and that's a personality thing. Like there's lots of people in their sixties who will get along with humans. Right. So I'm not, we can't just say that that's just the younger people, but there's also a lot of technology stuff too, that uh, older generations aren't using. And, and the other part too, is social media. So um, people are, are, are going with um, brands that they recognize on social media because they feel like they know the agent. Right. So if you're, if you've got a good social media presence and you're out there and you're putting your personality on display, people are going to feel like they know you a lot better. So then it's like, they feel more comfortable. And then you get to go right into the situation with somebody that, you know, as opposed to some stranger, you know, and that's, uh, that's another big part too. Social media is huge. So yeah, big. Everyone wants to be like Ryan Surhan. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's that? Who's the man. Is that million the dollar listing million New York listing guy here? with the gray hair? Yeah. That guy should dye his hair. It bothers me a great deal. <laughs> I, I read both of his books. Yep. 
Oh yeah, what yeah. Are, what does he teach people? He, he teaches he hard work. That's his thing. You just yeah. got to get up every day and do it, do the work, and then the work's yes. gonna take care of you. Yeah. The work's gonna take care. Follow of you. up, follow back, and follow through. So that's gotta, why that was my idea of starting at twenty-two. Because if you stay consistent at anything and you put in consistent work, effort, and you're learning every day, I don't think you could lose, right? Hundred percent. I agree. I agree. No, don't yeah, don't have yeah. high expectations of being the number one Toronto real estate agent at 24 years old. Like it's just not something that is, is likely, but by the time you get to 30 and then you're basically in the running with any other agent that could possibly exist on this planet, you're going to have almost 10 years of experience. That's going to help you. Right. And that's, that, and that's just the reality of it. You know, it is, it is a tough go. I mean, in my twenties, I had ups and downs all the time dealing with people and, not getting the listing or, or whatever it is, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I didn't have information or I wasn't experienced or I hadn't sold in that neighborhood or whatever it is, but that all goes away. That all fades away. I think one thing I notice right now that that is happening is that uh, people are, which makes, I think, sense, but it seem, seems like people are going more towards working on teams and less into farming and knowing a specific area. Right. Because they want that instant kind of hit. Right. And on a team, there's lots of action. There's lots of sales. I imagine there's less commissions per sale, but people aren't willing to wait the time it takes. It's necessary to actually become the guy in the, in the area. And, you know, a decade later, after a lot of slug and crap, all of a sudden, like 50% of the listings on a few streets are yours, you know, like there's people that I watched growing up that just, they picked a pocket and all of a sudden they were like, they were the guy in the area or they were one of two, three guys in the area. And it, it didn't matter which area they picked because every area went bananas over my lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was that consistency and that waiting. So I don't know what's a better fit to be, you know, bottom rung of a team or to farm an area of your own and kind of create that kind of thing. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? You can do both. Why can't you do both? Right. You Especially if you're beginning do, and you, but do people do both? Absolutely. Well, Daryl, I just did a, a deal with someone, a rental deal. She just got divorced and she put her home on the market. She told me that she really does not like her realtor at all. Like personality wise. But that's her area. She's farmed it. She's got signs everywhere. I'm not going to name the realtor, but so that's the realtor she went with. She didn't really care about the whole fun experience thing. She right. just wanted, boom, this, money. Money. this realtor money. is going to be firm. Even though I don't like her, I'm going to go with her anyways. Because she's going to sell my friggin' house for the most money. And I don't, listen, I'll tell you personally, uh, for whatever it's worth. I don't give two shits how fun the experience is. I want to either <laughs> buy the best house for the best price, or I want to sell my house for the most amount of money and get the best for deal. Sure. Fun is great. Imagine if like, you could do both of those. That's yeah. ideal, isn't it? It's a wonderful marketing pitch for sure. <laughs> I like it. It is a wonderful pitch. Yeah. So Daryl, there are, there are actually a lot of teams, a lot of teams in um, Toronto that have, an agent who specializes in an, in a niche market, whether it be like one guy does all the commercial, one guy does a specific neighborhood, one yeah. guy is specialized here and they become that. That's actually really common. There's a lot of teams that'll have that. Um, like see, in, that in, in my sense. neighborhood, in you my neighborhood, the biggest team, the biggest you team. You don't see the individual like branding for that person all over the place. So, so let, let me, let me explain that. So in my neighborhood, this lady joined a team that was a Toronto team. Okay. And so she had this great branding and then she started doing her own marketing in my neighborhood, but it was advertising this bigger team that was selling like more luxury properties in Toronto. Then about maybe five to 10 years ago, she separated from the team and then she just continued to brand herself and built up her team. So she learned all the experience from the person who had been doing it before her, understood branding, understood marketing, understood all the different aspects of real estate she was farming the area that she was living in and wanted to work in. And now she's the top team in the neighborhood. Beauty. Yeah. So there's Beauty. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's so many different ways to go. Anybody who says they know, I, I like, I was looking at some different things like investment stuff and there's guys who have just been doing like, this is what they sell and this is all they sell. And they've been doing it for 30 years. And, um, 
you know, they're specialists, right? They're specialists. And it's like, that's what they do. And that's just what they're comfortable with. And you can call them. This is how you find out if somebody's a specialist or not. I, I forgot to mention this. Um, if someone says to you, I'm a specialist, I work in, um, you know, Woodbridge. I am the Woodbridge agent. Nobody does it better than me. Okay. This is how you find out if they're telling the truth or not. Right. Or if what they're, what they're offering is of any value, you say, well, I got a great, um, you know, property that my mom's selling down in Oakville. It's $3 million. Do you want to take that listing too? And if they say yes, you know, it's all BS. Because right? then they're going to go, yeah, yeah, Oakville too. Yeah, I do that. And they're like, oh, well, you just said I, you're the Woodbridge guy. This is what you do in Woodbridge, and that you're, you should, I should hire you because you specialize in Woodbridge. But now not all of a sudden, you can sell Woodbridge. Oakville. Yeah. <laughs> if you can sell Oakville, then that means anybody else can sell Woodbridge. So what, what are you talking about? Is it, are you the Woodbridge guy or are you the real estate guy? Right. So that's a good, a good way to look at it. But for commercial guys, you tell a commercial guy he sells residential, he's going to say no every time. Right, real commercial guys. You're like, what the hell? I don't want to deal with your drama, selling your condo. But, no, but they'll have someone to refer, hopefully. Sure, but they, but a commercial guy's not dealing with residential real estate. No, it's a bunch of nonsense. So here's something interesting. Can I shift gears a little? Absolutely. Thank you. Check this out. Another survey. Most Toronto real estate brokers want to end blind bidding. Almost 90% of the brokers and consumers in the Toronto real estate market support ending blind bidding, according to a survey conducted by iPro Realty. Blah, 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 blah. So, our, okay, so let's, let's see. I'm doing a survey of 100% of the realtors on the show today. <laughs> what do you, Mark, think about blind bidding? I like the blind bidding. It gives everyone an equal playing field. PK, you're going to have to be a no in order for this survey to be to have any form of accuracy at all. Mm -hmm. What do you say? Do you like blind bidding? I think that um, the way that it is right now doesn't help the case for affordable housing. Unfortunately, there's a lot of money wasted with the way that we're doing um, the bids right now because usually what happens when somebody does overbid so the first place guy spends 100 grand more than the second place guy usually the person who is getting that extra hundred thousand dollars didn't really expect to get that extra hundred thousand dollars like they're usually pretty happy with that second place guy's offer but they're like oh wow this guy's willing to pay that much more and that's and that's the issue right um so now that extra hundred thousand dollars goes into that guy's pocket where he blows it on some stuff he probably doesn't need and of course, this drives up prices for everybody else, which makes affordability um, out of reach. So, can you see my screen now? Is it working? Yeah. If I have to, if I have to pick a yes or no, then I'm going to say that uh, blind blind bidding is something that uh, uh, we should have a a clear set of rules on how to sell a home without it. The and worst is when you're putting wow, in an offer. That was so clear and concise and definitely you picked the side there did i the only problem that so i politically have correct it was disgusting <laughs> i don't i, I don't I think have... it's daryl i don't think it's that easy to just say there's no blind bidding anymore it's not that easy no it's not that no. easy it's we're not, not in australia think, but the yeah question like australia was... new zealand these places have have bidding and stuff like that that works but the question was, what do you think about it, TK? Well, what's the most politically correct thing you could possibly I think we have to head in the direction of getting rid of blind bidding. Yes. Ah, okay. And it so can't be done overnight. For blind bidding. So we have 50% of all realtors surveyed today think yeah. that blind bidding should be abolished. So, that, I mean, that lends this a little bit of credibility. So, Mark, why not? No. You want to have any credibility? You want to be the superstar and get your client's top dollar? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I like the way it is now. See, I had a problem a couple of weeks ago. We were submitting an offer. There was eight other offers on the property. The listing agent, he said, okay, I'm going to give you, bring in your best offer. We're going to take the best one. We bring our best offer. He goes, okay, you're close to the, the top three people. I'm going to give you a chance to improve. So <laughs> what do we do? They wanted the house. We improved a little. And he goes, okay, you're close with the, you're like being the top two, like improve again. And then three, four, five rounds, it, it got out of hand. It got nuts. And I just feel like if you were to 
eliminate the blind bidding, you'd have sort of like the eBay effect where someone just, yeah, let me go a little bit more than you. And then it just gets out of hand. Yeah. So es- escalation clauses are the, are the, are, are an answer to blind bidding. So then you give people an option and say, look, if you want to go in and you want to give us an offer for 200,000 over asking, do it. No problem. But if you want to go in and say, look, I'm going to give you an offer for asking, but I'll beat any offer that you have by 5,000 up to $200,000 over asking, you just got to prove to me that you got that offer, right? Then there will be honest people out there who will say, well, we didn't get an offer for 200,000 over asking. We got an offer for 60,000 over asking. He pays 65K over asking. He gets the property. Bob's your uncle. What happens when there's three or four of those people with the escalation clauses? Then you go into the same situation and you say that guy's max is 200,000, right? That guy says his max is 300,000. So it becomes the same thing as blind bidding. It just protects us in the instances where there isn't multiple people with escalation clauses and there isn't multiple people who are hungry for the house. There's one guy who's really hungry and a bunch of people who couldn't care less if they get it. I've had people, all offers are under asking. And then one guy outbids $200,000. Everybody else is under asking. They're like, I don't care if I get this property. It sucks. And then one guy comes in and just goes, Oh, 200,000 over asking. It's like, why? So why, why, why do we not abolish the asking price? How relevant is it? Do you consumers need aren't like investors? They don't have the metrics to, to analyze properties and figure out what it's worth. You that's need to what give you them guys a clue. are for. That's the only thing you guys are for right now. Unfortunately, it's too uh, subjective. Like, but but are we even using the asking price in in the algorithm anymore, or is it based on what everything else is sold for, and a feeling, and the time frame, and the and the? I think we're seeing it more. People got really tired of the bidding wars. They just got very fatigued after losing out two, three properties. You got to make a decision within six weeks. But now now they've gone and they're having bidding wars over the rentals. They're like, fuck, I can't get a house. Let's go rent a place. Oh, crap. We can't rent a place. We better up the bidding because we have some money. We'll do this for a little while and we'll, we'll live in a nice place. The rental bidding wars are tough, though, because now tenant landlords, they're only accepting triple A. Like if you don't if your credit's under seven and you're competing against multiple renters, good luck. Yeah. So deal of the week this week okay, Ooh. is the furthest listing I've ever taken. OK, clients oh, bought a property. They wanted me to sell their house in Coburg. Coburg. Yeah, Where the hell's Coburg? It's uh, east along the 401. So I said, okay, you know what? We, we can do this, right? We've got some team uh, members who live out there and we do some advertising out there. And obviously we're advertising it to Toronto buyers. So I list the property at a million two fifty. Okay. And this was uh, right before Canada long day weekend. We get three showings from local agents, right? So there was no like Toronto buyers coming in and um, in two weeks total. What was the place? What are we listing? 3,000 square foot house built 20 years ago near the water. Not 7, on the water, but near the water. acres? How many acres? A builder's lot, 75 by 160. Like a, For like how a subdivision much? lot. Uh, one and a quarter. In, in, Coburg, in Coburg, which I, I just found is near Port Hope, which it's not even near Port Hope. It's just kind of yeah, like... it's far. It's an hour away from my house. Yeah, and I live in the East End. So anyways, don't interrupt me, Daryl. So one million two fifty, and then Good after luck. two weeks, <laughs> and then after two weeks, there was uh, only three showings. So we went back and looked at the drawing board, and you know they they had said that this is the price that they were hoping to list at. We had gone back and forth. We had a few different prices in mind. So we said, okay, let's list it at a million one fifty, okay, because this was a price that we had been talking about for months leading up to all this. They had just kind of got a little bit of a uh, a hope to get uh, to get more. So the last sale on the street was like nine something, but it was last year and it backed right onto the water. So um, we said, okay, let's go listen at a million one fifty. Then all of a sudden, all the Toronto buyers came back out. We had, you know, all the stuff that we do. So we were getting about uh, I don't know, nine, 10 showings or something like that within five, six days and um, ended up getting three offers and sold for a million two hundred and twelve thousand. And it's not on the water. 
It's not on the water. Yeah. Is it beautiful inside? It's 20 years old. I don't understand. The market. No. Market. Wow. Then I got a steal and a half. Yeah. Coburg's far. But either way, Coburg's that's what beyond happened. I think, far. I think before Canada Day weekend, we had things that were not uh, doing so well and things were sitting. And then all of a sudden after Canada Day weekend, people started to go back out and look again. And we started to see a rush of... Uh, Russia buyers. I think just based on the, the crowd I hang with, like everybody's kids are at camp and they are just busy partying right now. Like they mm -hmm. never had kids. Yeah. Like they don't, they're not thinking about anything right now other than just going out, Camps are out, full. out, out. Every yeah. camp in the GTA, if, you, if you're on a waiting list, I'm on one waiting list for a camp for my son. That's like 87 spots ahead of me. They're like, you're number 88. Are you, are you like, trying to I'm like, I'm hopeful. kids in the parking lot I'm hopeful <laughs> hey you sprain their ankles yeah. listen we can't make it this week i'll give you 20 bucks spot. if you stay home tomorrow yeah no. <laughs> it's crazy so there's like uh there's a shortage of camp spots there's a yeah. crisis see now that camp crisis that that's a headline camping crisis this is another not good another another topic from last week's show that uh, i'd like to get into daryl yeah go for it it's your Price show. Price per square foot on resale condos. Oh, our friend Jordan has been tweeting about that a lot. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So when you buy a condo, all right, and I go into a building and I'm looking at price per square foot, okay? I look at the last three Bye. sales. They all sold for $1,000 a square foot in this building that's 15 years old, all right? And I go, wow, $1,000 per square foot. That's what I want to pay. But the unit that I'm looking at is now got a terrace it's got, you know, it's south facing looking over the water. It's got new renovations that, you know, the other ones were all original from 15 years ago, right? There's so many, other, it's got two parking instead of one, right? There's so many factors that go into the resale experience that when someone says to me, well, this was price per square foot and that kind of stuff like that, to me, they spent way too much time on condos.ca and that they're just looking mm -hmm. at things that, are, are not the right metrics to look at. It's a lot different in pre-construction because obviously there's a lot more things that are similar and everybody knows in pre-construction, the earlier you get there, then the better exposure or the better whatever you'll get. And they usually have price increases for those type of um, premiums anyways. But in resale, if you go into a resale condo, you're going to look and you're going to say, well, what's the exposure? Is that one that sold for a thousand square foot, but is that on the penthouse? Like, is that looking over the water? Is that got the second parking spot? And these are all the factors that we look at. And I've never, ever once made a decision on a resale condo or resale house, but obviously like that, no one would do that on a house, but on a condo more specifically, I've never made a decision on a resale condo based on price per square foot. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless you never want to buy something. Exactly. Or pay right? too much because now you go into the union, you go, that one's over 1200 square. Wow. This is amazing. I'll pay 1181. Meanwhile, that one was totally renovated, better exposure, had the terrace and the second parking spot, and you got, you got suckered. What was Jordan tweeting about? So I don't have Twitter. Maybe I should get Twitter. You should get Twitter. Jordan was tweeting about the, uh, I guess, the gap between new condo pricing and resale condo pricing uh, tightening up considerably, and that new is not as far out there in comparison to, to current stock. Okay. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think those two things would be like 25% apart. Yeah. I mean, they might be probably like 15 or something like that. 20%. Yeah. But still, I mean, if you're buying a, why would you buy a new construction for 1450 if you could buy for 1250 something that's ready now? Yeah. I guess you need that time to save up. It's a dangerous game to bank on what you're going to be making later and how much you're going to put away in the four or five years. And if you can afford the mortgage, because what's the mortgage rate going to be at yeah. then? Yeah. Right. That's a dangerous kind of game, even though, I mean, it definitely benefits me a great deal that people play that game. I like that game, but it's dangerous as a buyer unless you're investing. No. Mm -hmm. And you can lose that money. How do you, what, is, 
Yeah, how do you do that? How do you how do you bank on what you're going to be making later? You you listen to the presentation that the pre-construction condo guys make while while paying <laughs> rent the whole time for where you're living. I guess if you live at home, I guess yeah. there's some situations that make sense. So yeah. so where where do you stand, uh, Mark, on the market? I guess you're pretty bullish considering you don't think it will ever come down ever again. I think we're going to be very similar to New York, London, Hong Kong. Toronto, we just got people coming here. This is the place to be. I mean, where else would you want to be? I agree. I agree emphatically, actually. I mean, there'll be dips for sure, but like yeah. this, this thing's on a trajectory up. And here's some evidence of such, I believe. I think this is a bigger deal of the week than, than yours. Yeah. It didn't seem too dramatic. Yeah. Did we talk dramatic. about it? Yeah. Cadillac Fairview buys 100% stake in Toronto Buttonville Airport. Now, they owned 50% prior, but they just paid 180 something million dollars for the other half of Toronto Buttonville. And the question that I'm posing here in a roundabout long-winded way is, do you think a company like Cadillac Fairview thinks the market is going up or down based on this purchase? Because Buttonville Airport is a fairly large piece of land in a very, very populated area of this city. Mm -hmm. Any takers on that question? What are you thinking, TK? Well, uh, my, my, I, I think the answer is obvious here, what they think, Cadillac Fairview. But my question is, do we really need Buttonville Airport? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> is, that, is that an airport that is that necessary to, uh, to maintain, or could they shrink it down to a quarter of its size and just have some, you know, more essential uh, uses for it, right? And develop the rest. It, it'd be really hard to kind of have some development there with planes flying on us on a on a on a runway there. Be a little tight. Well, you're not gonna have the houses that close. It's a huge piece of property. How many acres is it? It is a gigantic amount of acres, but they are yeah. not planning on putting, you know, like commercial property around an airport. Uh, they're probably planning on putting 60 story towers and, and, and such okay. rental retail, maybe a hockey rink. Hold on. Let me see if I can do some quick. So they're, they're trying to help out with the supply issue. Absolutely. But 169 acres. Perfect. So like yeah, how many are... acres do you really need for an airport? 50? Hundred? I don't know. Um, I think a good sixty acres of developable developable uh, land. You're not building sixty story uh, towers when you have an airstrip anywhere near you. Okay, they but maybe they build something else. Unless, well, unless. Look what right be. right right near Buttonville. There's a ton of development. There's a ton of um, subdivisions. Um, yeah. um, this will be a gigantic boost for the supply in 2031. In um, Preston, on Prestonvale in uh, Curtis, uh, Tribute paid like a million dollars an acre. They bought 30 acres for 30 mil for residential development land. Sounds so like these guys uh, just got the other half, right? For how much? 160 million? 193 million for the second half of the property. Okay. Which means they're valuing it at $390 million, this thing. Yeah, like decent size so deal. Two, two and a quarter million an acre or something like that. So, but you, it's hard to make those kind of deals in residential real estate. I agree. What kind of commission do you think you get on a hundred ninety-three million dollar commercial deal? Not enough. Not enough, right? To deal with the shit you got to deal with. Yeah, it's not deals. enough. That Jeez. deal probably takes two. two Ownership. Years. I want five percent stake. In the That's airport. Right. Well, I, we had an agent that. do a hundred and ninety million dollar deal um, at my old company, and uh, they got paid nineteen million one percent. Wow, that's pretty cool. Did they quit? One hundred ninety thousand. Right Sorry, did they quit? Not, not nineteen million. Did no, they get was, a yacht? It was, was one hundred ninety thousand. account? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's like a normal Ferrari? commission. They spent like six years working on that deal. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you spread it out, he got he didn't make that much. He didn't money. make so much money. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. good now, but he had to pay off. So his we're 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 winding down the show here, so let's we're we're getting we're getting desperate here, Daryl. Come on, are we getting Mark, desperate? I want to know. I want to know, Mark. How can That's people find huge, you? 
we want to boost Mark's real estate business here. How can people find you so that if they need help with their real estate sales, they can find you where you're at. The, the best way right now is on my Instagram, Mark underscore Rosati. And, you know, I'm getting all the other platforms. I'm getting them set up, you know, for the future. So keep an eye out for that. You okay. should start a YouTube channel. Yeah. Start young. Get it, get it done. Get her done, baby. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, for your time. We appreciate it. It was great. Nice to meet you. Good luck great in all of you. your future endeavors in real estate. And thanks yeah, for well, listening and watching the show. You know, we appreciate it. Yeah, we yeah, really appreciate sure. it. The Hopefully we can do it guess. again. Yeah, we'll do it again. 100%. We'll follow up with you and see where you landed in a few months. 100%. A few months. Okay, great. You want to come back next week? <laughs> let's, let's watch the recording of this one first, see how it goes. <laughs> no worries. It's okay. No it's unedited. <laughs> no editing. Our editor I just like quit, it. actually. The editor quit. He's again. Yeah. It's tough to, like, you know, chop off the starting and the ending. It's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> Very cool. To make. That was okay. beautiful. Enjoy Thank your you, Sunday. Sir. Enjoy your Sunday. Mr. Yeah, TK, too. always a pleasure. New on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.